0: Mic check. Hey, I think we're good. I think we're good. All right. I got my coffee. I got a bunch of documents here in front of me and uh, let's go. This is the Just Human number number 135. Just Human number 135 bonus hour. It's been a long time since I've done this. I used to do this uh, um, occasionally earlier this year when I streamed in the mornings and if I had a bunch of stuff left over that I didn't want to save until the next show. I would do a bonus hour like this, and I would upload it to my Substack. This time I'm uploading it to my sub stack, and I'm going to try uploading it to locals. Um, by the time you, you're watching this, I'll have found out whether or not I can upload it to locals. I'm pretty sure I can, though. Uh, no intro music, sorry about that, but I just, I just want to go and try and keep this under an hour. What I want to talk about are some things related to the Mar-a-Lago raid that I wasn't able to touch on this morning, specifically the unse- the further unsealing of the affidavit in support of the raid. It was already partially unsealed. I remember all those memes went around about all the blacked out lines and how many pages were nothing but black ink and uh, all that kind of stuff. We made tons of memes about it. It was great. That affidavit, they have now unsealed further pieces of it. And so there's a couple interesting bits in there. It's not... Um, there, there hasn't been too many changes, but it's enough that it's worth taking a look at it. So what we're going to do is I'm going to compare, I've, I've been messing with my screen for about 30 minutes now and OBS trying to figure out how I could best do this. Probably didn't figure out the best way, but I figured out a decent enough way to where I'm going to show you side by side, the first affidavit we got, and then the second affidavit. And then that way you can see where the changes have been made, and I'm just gonna read the changes, make commentary as as I desire it. And then after I go over that, I've got a theory in progress about these raids and these subpoenas, raids, quote unquote uh these subpoenas and search warrants that have been carried out against uh a whole bunch of different people who are supposedly Trump allies. Now some of them I know that I absolutely believe they are Trump allies, but I don't know that for certain about all of them. So we're going I have I've been working on something with that. I think I see a timeline of events that tie together pretty nicely on it, um a trail of crumbs. So that's going to be the second thing we talk that I present. Um welcome Glad you're watching this. Thank you for uh, checking out my Substack or checking out my Locals. Really appreciate it. All of my content's free. You don't have to be a paid subscriber. But if you want to support the show, the best way is to become a paid subscriber on Substack or Locals. Or go to buymeacoffee.com slash justhuman. And uh, the best thing about that option, buy me a cup of coffee, is uh, that you can leave a note letting me know how pro
1: I am when you buy me that cup of coffee. And I appreciate those notes. Okay. This is not
0: from the Trump v. United States case that we've been studying that has Judge Cannon. Um, who, by the way, if I had, if I'm thinking, I don't have any clues about this, but I'm thinking she's probably going to rule on a special master tomorrow, Thursday, or Friday. Um, I think she wants to get it done. I think that this week, I think the government does too. Obviously they've been, they want this, they want, they want to proceed. And I think Trump wants to get it done too. So I do still think that she will choose, choose Barbara S Jones. And I think she will do it tomorrow or Friday. I'm not sure how the appeal to the 11th circuit will go. Um, not super I'm not a lawyer and I've definitely not a lawyer in federal court and I'm not exactly sure how that process works but I do know if it is accepted to the 11th circuit then we're talking about months of this getting tied up so which is another reason why the DOJ's appeal to the 11th circuit doesn't make sense you know why would they appeal it up there with the same time they're filing to have things sped up cuz they they're so eager to get this evidence if their appeal is accepted it's going to take forever for them to be able to get access to all evidence they want, unless they get some kind of special, special stay, some kind of special motion granted, where they get to use it, but it's still an appeal. It's it's still going to take a lot longer than they would want. So, um, I'm kind of thinking that they will they will withdraw their appeal. Like picture this: maybe maybe Judge Cannon chooses Barbara S. Jones, who the DOJ offered a special master. And Barbara S. Jones says, yeah, I can get this done by October 17th, just like you guys want. And then DOJ withdraws their appeal to the 11th Circuit Court. We could see that happen. Um, Anyway, let's get to this. So this is not from that case. This is from the original Mar-a-Lago search warrant case. uh, The one that you can identify as having the case number 08332. And this was filed on the 13th yesterday and it's united states motion to unseal and the they want to unseal several several docket entries 122 123 124 and 125 and what they want is to unseal uh regarding the additional partial unsealing of the search warrant or unredacting of the search warrant now it gives their background we already know this about the raid and then they say, given the circumstances presented in this matter and the public interest and transparency, the government moved to unseal the search warrant, its attachments, and the property receipts summarizing materials seized, and this court granted the government's motion. That was way back on docket entry 18 and 41. Several news media organizations and other entities, the interveners, filed motions to unseal all the
1: materials, including the affidavit. And where, wait, at which point at which
0: the court directed the government to file under seal proposed redactions for the affidavit. And then that was docket entry 74. In accompanying written order, the court noted that the government, quote, has met its burden of showing good cause or a compelling interest that overrides any public interest in unsealing the full contents of the affidavit. And of course, there was much reacting to that because we got so many black lines and we didn't get to see all the juicy bits that we really wanted to see. Noting that the warrant involves, quote, matters of significant public concern, however, the court concluded that the present record does
1: not justify keeping the entire affidavit under seal. By the way, I'm not sure, but at the beginning of this, I may have said we're going to look at affidavit or search warrant. We're looking at the
0: affidavit. I don't remember. I may have misspoke and said search warrant. I meant mass affidavit earlier. (laughs) Oh, okay. I need more coffee. Okay. Later, the court granted that motion. The court also found that, quote, the proposed redactions are narrowly tailored to serve the government's legitimate interest in the integrity of the ongoing investigation and are the least onerous alternative to sealing the entire affidavit thus the court ordered the government to publicly file the affidavit with the redactions approved by the court this is judge magistrate uh the magistrate judge bruce reinhardt by the way i'm pretty sure he's still over this case or is it Hal? because i've seen Hal make a couple of filings or i think it's still, still Matt, bruce reinhardt's still over this but i have seen judge how name appear in a couple documents Anyway, the court also found this, and the court found that, blah, blah, blah. In another proceeding in this district related to this search warrant, former President Trump voluntarily revealed the existence of a subpoena for documents bearing classified markings served on his post-presidential office, as well as the subpoena served on his business entity, the Trump Organization, for video surveillance footage. That's in the Trump v. United States of America case that we've all been paying attention to and where the special master is. That's the one with Judge Cannon. Those subpoenas were issued by a federal grand jury sitting in the United States District Court of the District of Columbia. In order to respond to former President Trump's filings in that matter, the government sought permission from the U.S. District Court of D.C. to disclose the existence of those subpoenas, as well as correspondence and communications related to them pursuant to Rule 6E3EI. The court granted the government's motion. The government's request finding under the applicable law that applicable law that the district that the government had established a particularized need for the grand jury material in question and permitted the government to make the disclosure in Trump v. United States thereafter, the government referenced the subpoenas already publicly revealed by former President Trump in its filings. So president in that case, things were revealed that are in this affidavit, which means some of the things in this affidavit can now be unredacted.
1: Now I just had a thought. Um I wonder what would happen if I searched this
0: number right here. This just now occurred to me that maybe maybe I should search on recap for this grand jury thing right here. And just see if anything comes up. Now, they're not going to let me see filings. Grand juries are secret by their nature. But it may let me see a magistrate judge or somebody. Okay, this is the one we're looking at with Bruce Reinhardt. Nope. It doesn't. Okay, but it looks like number 22, grand jury 37, in the circuit court of D.C. is is what we're looking for, is the the grand jury case number. So, okay, I might dig on that later and see if I can find which judge in DC is handling it. That might be interesting. Um, Okay. The reason it'd be interesting is because if I can trace it to court buildings that we have seen individuals going in and out of. Something for me to dig on later, okay. The government next sought and received authorization from the U.S. District Court for D.C. to additionally disclose here matters related to the subpoenas that former President Trump publicly revealed. There's that same case again, limited disclosure matter occurring before a Grand Jury Number Twenty Two-G-GJ-Thirty-Seven-Dec. That's the District D.C. Court, September Seventh, Twenty-Two. Interesting. Okay. Although the attached document reflects that it was first filed under seal, the order was later unsealed and is publicly accessible on the website of the U.S. District Court. Oh, really? Oh, really? What is this? Oh, this is from that grand jury. All right, guys, I didn't... um, I'm just going with the flow here. Stick with me, nerds. Stick with me, fellow human nerds. Let's see what we find. Let's just search this case number here. I'm showing y'all all my tricks. Okay. This okay. It doesn't return that actual one, but it shows. Uh, it brings up Bruce Reinhardt's case. Okay. 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 Dasting.
1: All right. This is what's filed under under seal. Hmm. Yep. That's the case right there. 08332. This is how.
0: Okay. Honorable Beryl, Beryl? Honorable Beryl A. Howe, Chief United States District Judge. Okay. I don't know that this is a judge that's handling the grand jury, but it's possible. Seems likely,
1: considering he's on this. This is filed under seal before a grand jury. All right, pursuant to that order the government has
0: filed notice regarding additional partial unsealing blah blah blah. Blah blah blah. The only difference between this the only difference between this version of the search warrant affidavit and the one filed pursuant to the court order on August 26 is that this new version removes certain redactions that covered rule 6e material. Because the former president publicly disclosed the existence of those grand jury subpoenas and associated information in his filings, the government sought permission from the responsible district court to reveal this stuff. The government has retained all other redactions that protect information that the court has found should remain under steel. So that's the background on what we're gonna look at. Um, Now these redactions, I'm sure this has already been filed by a number of people. The way this stuff always goes is that FOIA requests are made to see everything to see what's what's been redacted and then FOIA laws come into play and when they uphold those redactions they have they put a little code on that black block saying why it's redacted whether it's because of protecting a law enforcement source personal information ongoing investigation whatever it'd be really cool to see what is under these? If once a FOIA request returns and somebody gets a response to it, and it goes through the FOIA process, now this is months down the road, if not over a year, it'll be really neat to see what FOIA um, re, what FOIA exemptions they use. That's what they're all. That's what they're called uh, exemptions they use on these uh, where these redactions are. But for now, we have this. Now, first off, you can see on the left. There's right here. There's where the redactions were on the first time we got this. Okay. This is from August 26th. And you can see this redaction's in this block. Now, in the new version, though, those are gone. And I know my face is in the way right here. Let me scroll up.
2: And actually, I might do something with myself right here. Let me... uh.
1: Yeah, I'm not the feature of this. This document is, and I want to make sure I'm showing you this
0: document. So this is what they've unredacted from this page. Okay, so let me just read what this paragraph now says. Paragraph three, the FBI's investigation has established that documents bearing classification markings which appear to contain national defense information were among the materials contained in the 15 boxes that were stored at the premises in an unauthorized location then redactions but now we have this sentence unredacted since the 15 boxes were provided to NARA additional documents bearing classification markings which appear to contain NDI and were stored at the premises in an unauthorized location have been produced to the government in response to a grand jury subpoena directed to former President Trump post presidential office and seeking documents containing classification markings stored at the premises and otherwise under former President Trump's control. So they had redacted this line right here, or this sentence. Next, they kept these redactions here that have to do with the special agent that's out of the Washington field office. All right, let's go to the next page. There are no redactions, so I'm just gonna scroll on the left from the original until I get to where there's been a reduction change, okay? So page nine is unchanged. And page 10, page 10 is unchanged except for, see that line, this little gap right here? I noticed this when I was looking at it earlier, there's a little bit of a difference in the photocopy Like this one on the left is a little finer than this one. And there's the redactions aren't as precise on the one on the left, the original as they are on the one on the right. So that tells me that they ran it through. They run these through like a machine or a software that does the redacting. Is my understanding. And for whatever reason, the one on the left was a lot heavier as far as applying those redactions than the one on the right seems to be.
1: Okay. Page 11. No differences. Page 12. Looks the same. Page 13. Looks the same.
2: Let's get to page 14. Looks the same. Yep, yep. Okay, 15.
1: There's another instance where you see a gap right there. Just a little bit of a difference in in how the redactions were done. Okay. 48 and 49 paragraphs, paragraph 50 and 51.
0: Oh. Now we got something different. Okay, on page 18, they kept the redactions on paragraph 50, but paragraph 51 is now available to us. Paragraph 51 reads, grand jury subpoena, related correspondence, and production of additional classified documents. DOJ has advised me, that, that would be the agent writing this, I believe, on May 11th, 2022, an attorney representing POTUS, former President's Counsel 1, agreed to accept service of a grand jury subpoena from a grand jury sitting in the District of Columbia. It was sent to him via email by one of the prosecutors handling this matter for DOJ, henceforth DOJ counsel. The subpoena was directed to the custodian of records for the office of Donald J. Trump, and it requested the following materials, and it gives this big list of all these different types of classifications. Okay. Okay. This is also unredacted. The return date of the subpoena was May twenty-fourth. DOJ counsel also sent POTUS counsel one a letter that permitted alternative compliance with the subpoena by providing any response documents to the FBI at the place of their location, and by providing from the custodian a sworn certification, a sworn certification that the documents represent all responsive records. The letter. For, letter letter further stated that if no responsive documents existed, the custodian should provide a sworn certification to that effect. On May 25th, while negotiating for an extension of the subpoena, former President Trump's counsel sent two letters to DOJ counsel. So that, what I just read, is what was redacted. We are aware of that because of other letters. We've already known that this type of uh, this exchange took place thanks to some other filings in the Trump v. United States case. This Reading this in the affidavit, though, does make me wonder about a certain theory going around that Trump's lawyers messed up in providing that certification. And they themselves might get in trouble for certifying that they had turned over all the documents when they had, in fact, not. Um, I'm a bit worried about that. There is a rumor that I haven't seen confirmation of anywhere, but it's from some semi-reputable, sort, I mean, mainstream media sources are saying that Christina Bob has retained counsel, that she's hired defense attorneys. And uh, I haven't seen her anywhere in a little while. So kind of concerned that maybe she has. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean she did anything wrong, but it could mean she feels that she needs them, right? So I'm not really thinking that POTUS's lawyers like Christina Bob and Evan Corcoran, who was the other one, Christopher Keist? There's one more I'm forgetting. I'm not really thinking that they did anything wrong, but it, if they did, it wouldn't be the first time that one of President Trump's lawyers got in some trouble. And if they end up getting raided themselves, or subpoenaed or search warrant. We should probably, rated is the word of the day because of of this time period, uh, actually, because it evokes emotion, It, it evokes an imagery. When you say rated versus served a subpoena or served a search warrant, that doesn't put an image in your mind the way that the term rated does. So that's why President Trump and team are using that word. That's also why the media on both sides use that word it really grabs your attention and it puts an image in your mind that uh, causes you to have some emotion about it. It's vivid. So,
1: I do have a concern about that. All right, let's scroll down a little bit more. This was redacted.
2: There's no instance where there's a gap. Page 21 of 38.
1: Okay, this has received. Okay. Actually,
0: this started a little bit above that. Okay. Oh, I'm in, okay. Paragraph 55. We got a bunch unredacted. Or yeah. Okay. After an extension was granted for compliance with the subpoena on the evening of June 2nd. Otis's counsel contacted DOJ counsel and requested that FBI agents meet him the following day. Oh, meet him the following. So that's not Christina Bob. F POTUS Council 1 is not Christina Bob because it says him. So that would be Evan Corcoran, I believe. The following day to pick up responsive documents. On June 3rd, three FBI agents and DOJ counsel arrived at the premises to accept receipt of the materials. In addition to former president's counsel, another individual, here and after individual 2, was also present as the custodian of records for F. POTUS's
1: post-presidential office. Wait a minute. So that... I think that is Evan Corcoran is the custodian, isn't he?
2: I believe he is. I believe he is. Let me search. Hold on.
1: Let me see. I think we learned in that Nara letter
2: that it was him. Uh, that's not it. That's the
1: Danchenko case. I always have the Danchenko case up. I'm always looking at it. All right, let's scroll through here. There's so much stuff, but let me see if I can find the one that
2: has the, a letter. That's not it. That's not it. Let me see. Nope. Those are motions to appear. It's not what I want. as to a special master it's in here so that that letter from nara or the letter to nara where is it nope See, my brain wasn't thinking about this
1: until I started recording and reading it aloud. And now I'm like, ooh, ooh,
2: I should dig on that. I should dig on this. Here. I'm pretty sure it's him, but I just want to, I really want to see this, this letter. White House Archive, this briefing on PRA, that's not it. That's not it. The May
1: 10th letter contained the quoted passage was sent by Trump attorney M. Evan Corcoran. Just want to see a line saying that he is the custodian of records.
2: The motion was signed
1: by Trump Attorneys Lindsey Halligan, James Trustee, Evan Corcoran.
2: Okay, there's the receipt for property. Some of y'all are probably going nuts because you already know that it is Corcoran. I'm pretty dang sure. Uh, Here we go. Evan Corcoran.
1: And this is May 10th.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay,
1: it is. It is, Corcoran. I want to make sure I have the right person in mind. Okay, sorry about that, guys. Okay, so there is...
0: June 3rd, three FBI agents and DOJ counsel arrived at premises. That would be Mar-a-Lago. To accept receipt of materials. In addition, F-POTUS counsel one, Another individual hereafter, individual two was present as the custodian of records. So I think that's Corcoran. The the production included a single Red Weld envelope wrapped in tape containing documents. FOTUS Council 1 relayed that the documents in the Red Weld envelope were found during a review of the boxes located in the storage room. Individual 2 provided a certification letter signed by Individual 2, which stated, based upon the information that is provided to me, I am authorized to certify on behalf of the office of don j trump that the following a diligent search has conduct has been conducted this search was c- conducted after receiving the subpoena in order to locate these documents any and all responsive documents accompanying this certification and no copy written notation or reproduction being kind was retained
1: in the responsive document i wonder if i can search that and get the letter yeah okay the records that came from the White House were stored in one location within Mar-a-Lago, the storage room. And the
0: boxes of records in the storage room were remaining repository, were the quote, the remaining repository. Hmm, I wonder what that's a quote from, of records from the White House. POTUS Council 1 further stated that he, it's a he, was not advised there were any records in any private office space or other location in Mar-a-Lago. The agents and DOJ counsel were permitted to see the storage room and observe that approximately 50 to 55 boxes remained in the storage room. Other items were also present in the storage room. This is, there's a redaction they kept here. That's interesting. I want to know what's that, what's under there. Other items were also present in the storage room, including a coat rack with suit jackets, as well as interior decor items such as wall art and frames. What do you want to bet Trump talking about going in the closets and uh, ruffling through clothes? He's just saying
1: that because there was a coat rack in the storage room. What you want to bet that's what it is? Okay. Paragraph 58. We got a redaction on 57. Then
0: preliminary review of the documents contained in the Redwald envelope produced pursuant to the grand jury subpoena, revealed the following approximate numbers 38 unique documents bearing classification markings, including five documents marked as confidential, 16 marked as secret, and 17 marked as top secret. 17. Further, the FBI agents observed markings reflecting the following caveats or compartments among them HCS, SI, and FISA. FISA. Crossfire Hurricane. I wonder, I wonder.
1: Okay. Yes, it,
0: okay. Multiple documents also contained what appears to be F. Potus's handwritten notes. Okay, that's really uh, that's really interesting that they had redacted that one sentence. Multiple documents also contained what appears to be be Donald Trump's handwritten notes. Why did they redact that in the first place? Hmm. Notably, although the 15 boxes provided to NARA contain approximately 184 unique documents with classific- classification markings, only approximately 38 unique documents with classification markings were produced from the remaining boxes. When producing the documents, neither Council 1 or Individual 2 asserted that POTUS had declassified the documents. The documents being in red World envelope wrapped in tape appears to be consistent with an effort to handle the documents as if they were still classified okay that's notable but it's not the end-all be-all they could still be treating them because that's how they had always treated them while they were classified right so it's it's notable but it doesn't mean the way they treat them doesn't mean they are classified but in writing this affidavit it is a clue to the agents that hey this stuff might be important because they're treating it like it is Okay right this what was in what's in parentheses here was redacted what's it say as such it appears that since the time classified the ones recently provided in any
1: and all others Okay wonder why they the ones recently provided in any and all
2: others hmm. Okay page 23
0: Paragraph 62 has been revealed. The DOJ counsel has advised me that on or about June 22nd, counsel for the Trump Organization, a group of business entities associated with President Trump, confirmed that the Trump Organization maintained security cameras in the vicinity of the storage room. And that on June 24th, counsel for the Trump Organization agreed to accept service of a grand jury subpoena for footage of those cameras. So, June 22nd. I've also seen June 24th thrown around, but in the file, in the F David, it's June 22nd. The subpoena was served on June 24th. Oh, well, that answers why I keep seeing June 24th.
1: Directed to the custodian of records for the Trump Organization. Any and all surveillance records this is what it sought.
0: any and all surveillance records, videos, images, photographs, and NRCT, CCTV from internal cameras located on the ground floor, the basement. And then we have a redaction on the Mar-a-Lago property. I think what's in this redaction here
1: is a reference to the SCIF. I really do. I think it says any and all from,
0: from internal cameras looking on the ground floor of the basement and near the like secured room, the secured environment or the secured workspace environment. I, I'm not gonna do it right now, but it'd be, uh, somebody, some of you people that were doing Photoshop with me last time on redactions, I wonder if secure work environment or and secure work environment fits within this redaction on page 23. On July 6th, in response to subpoena, representatives of the Trump Organization provide hard drives to the FBI.
1: Okay, and then more redactions, those are all the same. This paragraph 70 is now
0: available. There is probable cause to believe the documents containing classified NDI and presidential records remain at the premises. As explained above, President Trump's boxes contain numerous documents with classification markings, both in the 15 boxes that they already had and in the remaining boxes. As also explained above, the classified documents provided to the government in a red weld envelope pursuant to the subpoena were represented to have been stored in boxes located in the
2: storage room. Okay. Twenty
1: six twenty-seven, same, twenty-eight, same page twenty-nine, same.
2: I think that's the end of it. Yeah, I think that's the end of it. Okay, so
1: a little bit more insight into the affidavit, basically things we've already learned from the other filings. Um, Yeah, I want to see the good, the really good stuff is still redacted.
0: The really good stuff is still redacted, yeah. And see, I still think it's a secure work environment because look right here, accordingly, this affidavit seeks authorization to search the 45 office and all storage rooms and any other rooms or locations where boxes or records may be stored within the premises as further described in attachment A. I really think that they searched that secure work environment. Okay, now I wanna jump to the next topic I promised you. Sorry, I scrolled a little bit on that. And if uh, y'all were screaming at your TV like, no Kyle, It's this person. It's that person. We don't care who it is. Just go
1: on. Let me drop that. I need to turn off. Okay. Now I got a bit of a spicy take. And it's not from that. So do you remember
0: Let me see if I can take you through some stuff. Do you remember
1: way back when, on June 16th, me sharing this? Tensions escalate as DOJ renews request
0: for January 6th panel transcripts. If you recall this, DOJ was trying to get the January 6th committee to share with them the interviews and documents they had received from people they had been calling before their sham committee, and this committee was not working with them. A very, very underreported story this summer has been that the January 6th committee and the DOJ are not working together. I think there's been a few instances where they've shared some things, but overall they are not on the same page. Uh, DOJ is running its own investigation and DOJ is not happy that their January 6th investigation is having to put up with this political show trial, this theater where they're subpoenaing and calling before their, their committee, all these individuals who are, many of them people that are that the DOJ is interested in interviewing about J6 and it never that's it never works when you have two different investigations that are from two different entities trying to interview the same people about the same thing and neither of them have the same goals so DOJ has not been pleased with them and you may remember I read this letter on the show that it is now, this is from uh, DOJ, I believe. Yeah, it's from DOJ. It is now readily apparent that the interviews the select committee conducted are not just potentially relevant to our overall criminal investigations, but are likely relevant to specific prosecutions that have already commenced. Given this overlap, it is critical that, this, that the select committee provide us with copies of the transcripts of all of its witnesses.
1: Okay. Now. Next, this comment from Mean One Gene. I don't remember. Um, he's a great
0: follow, by the way. He's also on he's on Twitter, but he's active there. But he's also on True Social. Um, he said, "Watch this. Trump knew the election had been stolen by Never Trump GOP. He was being he was being given false information by people sent to him by those Never Trumpers about who actually stole the election. When he would not listen." They change their story and try to frame Trump for J6. Now, I'm not exactly sure who all those people are, but I think we're finding out. I think we're finding out and we're going to find out who they are because you and I, we both know that it wasn't just Democrats who stole the election. It was, it took the help of a lot of rhinos, a lot of fake MAGA types. And that's why DOJ is wanting these transcripts from the J6 committee. The J6 committee is really screwing up their investigation, which by the way, might be their point. It might, it might be part of their objective, the J6 committee to screw up DOJ's investigation because they don't want DOJ to find all the people responsible for J6. So anyway, I think Mean Gene is right. There were all those theories going around about how the election was stolen. And now to us, almost all of them have been proven true or to have some truth to them. But I think there were others who were other theories that were trafficked or pushed onto into Trump world as distraction, as uh mistis and malinfo, et cetera. And I think we're going to find out who those actors were um, because everything's an info op and that was certainly an info op between november and j6 now recall this secret service admits that the agency did delete text from january 5th and january sixth as part of a pre-planned three-month system migration but slams government watchdogs insinuation it was maliciously erasing evidence remember this all
1: these secret service agents erasing their their phone messages J6, from the same day, that last article, this is from July 14th. Also, July 14th, January 6th panel aims to reconstruct deleted Secret Service text.
2: July 21st, criminal probe opened into deletion of
1: Secret Service January 6th text messages, sources say. Uh, go away, Washington! Ah, daggum it! I don't, I don't want that. Go away.
0: Justice Department investigating Trump's actions in January 6th criminal probe. Now remember this: July 26th, this news hit, and they framed, and the fake news media framed all the headlines as if it was Trump himself who was under investigation, and everybody was a lot of, a lot of people were buying into that. That, they're going after Trump. They don't want him to run in 2024, et cetera, et cetera. DOJ is after Trump. We've heard DOJ was after Trump for seven straight years, and never once has it been true. It's been true that individuals within the DOJ were
1: conspiring and aiming to get Trump, uh, namely McCabe. Next one, June 27th, June, or July 27th from the New York Times,
0: asking questions about Mr. Trump in connection with the elector's plot or the attack on the Capitol does not mean the Justice Department has opened a criminal investigation into him. Don Winslow is correct. I don't really, I know that name, but I don't even know who he is, but I just saved that because that's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right. I remember this thread from Mean Gene 1 that I read on the show. Imagine a scenario where nobody would investigate election fraud in a presidential election that got tens of millions more votes than any previous election. Remember this headline from Washington Post? Justice Department investigating Trump's actions in January 6th criminal probe. A Trump DOJ would look corrupt if they took it upon themselves to see if Democrats pulled off election fraud with a Republican as the victim remember trump told us we'd see all the fraud that was pulled off that day in early november he just never said who pulled off that fraud the reason the media constantly calls it the big lie is because they wrongly assume he means their pet the democrats rigged the election imagine a scenario where a group of never trump rhinos were able to shift vote counts in states and counties already won by trump Just enough to swing the vote count to Biden in those key swing states at the side 2020 election. You notice all those Republicans who still won, but Trump did it as if Trump had no coattails. Now that's an indicator of fraud that they took votes away from Trump. But what if in some of those
1: places, some of those people that won, won via fraud. And they rigged it so Trump wouldn't win because they don't want Trump. Now, remember,
0: nobody would investigate it, right? Nobody with any real authority anyway. But wait, just imagine this. What if the DOJ investigating January 6th events would have run across a few phone calls and text from these rhinos? Quote, in addition, Justice Department investigators in April received phone records of key officials and aides in the Trump administration, including his former chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Federal criminal investigators or investigations are by design opaque and probes involving political figures are among the most closely held secrets at the Justice Department. Many end without criminal charges. In trying to understand how and why Trump partisans and lawyers sought to change the outcome of the election, one person familiar with the probe said, investigators also want to understand. We Do we know everything they are doing? No, we don't. Many elements of the sprawling January 6th criminal investigation have remained under wraps. The Justice Department probe began amid the smoke, blood, and chaos, blah, 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 Now about state state capitals, expanding to include an examination of events that occurred elsewhere in the days and weeks before the attack, including at the White House, in state capitals, and at DC hotels. So in conclusion, it's not always as it seems. This may just be the investigation of November 2020 we've been looking for. Remember this? New information. The DOJ is officially going back before the election. That's big for those who were concerned, who were convinced nothing was being investigated regarding 2020, and it has a um, a tweet from Google Google Malungu, one of my followers and fans and chat members, great follow. Wait till the
1: normies discover that rhinos had a plan of their own to remove Trump. And it links to this right here. New. This is from
0: July 30th. Multiple DOJ grand jury subpoenas are seeking communications
1: to and from the RNC's National Director for Election Integrity.
2: Hmm. Oh,
1: I think I have that. I have the wrong one right there. This is from
0: July 26th. Latest move suggests DOJ investigation of 2020 election is looking at conduct directly related to Trump and his closest allies. Allies.
1: DOJ has reached out to more former White House officials, ex-Trump official says, July 27th.
0: Merrick Garland does not rule out charging Trump and others in the January 6th probe. He didn't rule out charging anybody.
1: Media creating stories they want oh yeah I remember that okay there is evidence that then President Trump was extremely careless
0: in his handling of the 2020 election and its aftermath however our view is that no charges are appropriate in this case he's joking he's joking making a play on what Comey said about Clinton
1: let's move ahead August 3rd, DOJ subpoenas Trump White House counsel, Pat Cipollone.
0: Now, this is his January 6th hearing interview. Remember, DOJ was having trouble getting
1: J6 to cooperate with them. So they issued their own subpoena to Pat. And I
0: covered, what was it, two weeks ago, Pat Cipollone was walking in and out of a grand jury
1: in, uh, in D.C., Richard Grinnell saying they've created a new precedent.
0: The Biden Justice Department is now subpoenaing the prior counsel to the president. I love precedents. Uh, Peter Struck here. What if Cipollone's executive privilege claims fail before the grand jury? He's always got the Fifth, Amen- Fifth Amendment as a backup. He did end up
1: going before the grand jury. I wonder if he tried to claim executive privilege.
0: Will be interesting to see how those executive privilege answers given to the January 6th committee hold up in front of a federal grand jury. This was on August 2nd. And here we are talking about things like executive privilege and attorney-client privilege in relation to the Mar-a-Lago raid. And then on August 8th, the news broke that the FBI had raided Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago. All right, all right. Now, I just led you on a whole bunch of breadcrumbs. You might be wondering where
2: I'm going with it. I'm about to show you.
1: September 12th, Justice Department subpoenas more than 30 people in
0: Trump's orbit in January 6th probe. Top officials from Donald Trump's political fundraising and former campaign operations are among dozens of people in former president Trump's orbit who received grand jury subpoenas in recent days. As the justice department intensifies its criminal investigation on January 6, among them are former Trump campaign manager, Bill Stepien, Sean Dolman, who worked on Trump's 2020 presidential campaign as a chief financial officer, Sources familiar with the matter tell CNN. Neither Stepien nor Dolman responded. Dan Scavino, Trump's former deputy chief of staff, also recently received a subpoena, according to a source familiar with the matter. Scavino did not respond to comment. In total, more than 30 individuals with connections to Trump have received subpoenas in recent days, according to two sources familiar with the subpoena targets. The subpoenas seek documents and in some cases testimony before a grand jury in Washington, D.C., The flurry of subpoenas and other investigative activity came in the days just before the Justice Department began its standard pre-election quiet period, a 60-day period before the midterm election, during which the department generally seeks to avoid taking overt investigative action in politically sensitive probes to avoid the appearance of trying to affect the election. Some of the subpoenas, including one reviewed by CNN, were broad in scope seeking information on a range of issues, including the fake elector scheme. I'm going to go over that in just a moment. Trump's primary fundraising and political vehicle, Save America PAC, the organizing of the Trump rally on January 6th, and any communications with a broad list of people who work to overturn the 2020 election results. Now, this is CNN, so you know filter that. But these are the things, these are exactly the things I would expect January 6th probe that was looking for, looking into the actual coup plotters to look into. You would want to know about the fake elector scheme. You would want to know about fundraising. You would want to know about anybody, you know, some of these people who plotted this are probably turncoats within Trump world. They're quote unquote allies, but they're not really. They were always plotting against Trump or they were riding his coattails because he was the end thing. And now that they see he lost, excuse me, lost the election, they're going to they were trying to make sure he didn't have a chance to win another by blaming him. Happened on January 6th. You would also want to look into the organizing of the Trump rally on January 6th. Now we know that most, you know, most people there were incredibly peaceful. It was only a very small percentage of the people who there who turned violent. But of those group who did turn violent, they had a plot. The Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, the Ukrainians that were there, the Antifa assets that were there, they had a plot. And if this is related to that. I would expect CNN to characterize it as this. They're not going to write it as I just said it. And any communications with a broad list of people who worked to overturn the 2020 election results, they, yeah, it's CNN. All right. The subpoena reviewed by CNN seeks records related to compensation provided to or received from a list of people that included Trump lawyers and campaign staffers through January 20th and 2021. Hmm. It also seeks for communications with anyone in the Justice Department. Remember that because as CNN has previously reported, investigators are examining the role of former DOJ lawyer Jeffrey Clark. So am I (coughs) in pushing false election fraud claims on behalf of Trump. It wasn't on behalf of Trump, not the way he did it. The subpoenas seek communications with some of the with some of the same players previously identified in the subpoena served to fake electors in various states earlier this year, including former Trump lawyers Rudy Giuliani, Victoria Tunsing, and Boris Epstein, an advisor to Trump's 2020 campaign, among others. Now remember, Rudy and Victoria Tunsing, they were raided in April of 2021, and they were not the targets of that investigation. They were used to collect evidence. On people who were the target. By the way, I'm eating a candy from Benton Farms that they
1: sent me. It's honey. It's a honey hard candy and it's awesome. Okay, some of the subpoenas also requested any information that recipients previously returned over to the House
0: Select Committee investigating the January 6th U.S. Capitol attack. Bernard Carrick. A former New York
1: City police commissioner who worked with Giuliani to find evidence of voter fraud in the weeks following the 2020 election also received a subpoena. It is for documents and testimony.
0: I've seen plenty of subpoenas. This looks different because there's no direction to it, said Carrick's lawyer. Usually it's very targeted. Brian Jack, the last White House political director under Trump, was subpoenaed as well, according to a source familiar. Jack did not respond to comment. The chair of Women for America First, Amy Kramer, which hosted the Trump rally outside the White House, said in a tweet over the weekend that her group, too, was sent a broad subpoena.
2: Her attorney said the same. And then this Fox News
1: article, let me see if it has anything that the other one didn't. Some kind of gnat.
0: Some kind of little gnat has found its way into my studio.
2: Okay. We knew those. Okay. Now, this is...
0: Let me tell you about this fake elector scandal. Now this is American Oversight, which is a lefty group and hates Trump and hates conservatives, and they're totally fully on the left. But that doesn't mean there isn't information here that we can you know, glean and, and we can learn something from. And they do a decent
1: job of explaining the phony elector thing.
2: Let me find where it starts. A
1: now famous, or now infamous memo prepared by Trump-allied lawyer John
0: Eastman, who's also been served a search warrant and subpoena, right? Entitled January 6th scenario indicated that the fake electors were part of a six-step scheme that relied on Pence throwing out the valid electors from seven states that have transmitted dual slats of, slates of electors. In February 2022, the New York Times reported that two weeks before, after the election, Jim Troupas, a lawyer for the Trump campaign in Wisconsin, had received a memo setting out the strategy to overturn Trump's loss by installing an alternate electors in states Trump lost. According to the Times, that memo was used by Eastman and other Trump-allied lawyers as they devised the scheme. This is hostile, but that's not entirely inaccurate right there. In March, a federal judge ruled that it was more likely than not that Trump and Eastman had corruptly attempted to obstruct the January 6th congressional certi- certification and ordered Eastman to produce more than 100 emails he had fought to keep from House investigators. More than a year and a half after that el- the election, Eastman is still attempting to shield his communications records from the House Select Committee. The fake certificates were also referenced in a draft letter prepared by Justice Department official Jeffrey Clark in December 2020 that falsely stated the department was investigating various irregularities in the election and would have, construct, have instructed Georgia lawmakers to convene a special session to consider. Um, that month Trump had plotted, plotted to oust acting Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen, he was never serious about that, and replace him with Clark, a loyalist who was willing to use the department to elevate Trump's voter fraud myth. In a lawsuit we filed, we in these documents that show Kelly Townsend, then a state senator-elect, Senator, asked former Vice President Pence not to accept Arizona's valid electoral slate during the congressional certification on January 6. We also obtained and published memos concerning the appointment of electors. The fake elect man, this gnat is aggressive. I'm gonna get you. The fake elector. Fake electoral certificates are a critical piece of the coordinated multi-state effort to subvert the will of the American
1: people, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Here's what I think is going on.
0: You got all these people in Trump's orbit getting these subpoenas and search warrants for their phones or for testimony or for documents. You got supposed Secret Service deleted text. You got this Jeffrey Clark guy who wanted Trump to make him AG so that he could act. And I think all of this paints a picture of these people being I think they were trying to, I think this is another trap within January 6th. Now back as this was going on in real time, when I heard the dual slate of elector thing, I thought, Oh, that's what we could do. Like that makes sense. And I was, I was really entertaining it. And as we got closer to January 6th, I was like, no, actually that, that doesn't seem right. Um, but it does seem right to me that we hear the objections, that Pence hears the objections on January 6th and the senators and representatives can introduce evidence of voter fraud and then they can not accept the electors that were sent from those states. But the, I was warm to the dueling slates of elector thing at first,
1: but I started fading on that. If there was a plot to
0: get Trump and Pence to do that, which it seems like there were or there was, there would have been text messages about it. There would have been communications between all these people who seem to have gotten these grand jury subpoenas and search warrants issued in the past week or so. And I think that's what's going on with them is that DOJ is gathering up all these text messages That's why they took Mike Lindell's phone, I think. Um, And other people's phones. I think they're trying to piece together who was telling who, who was in on this conspiracy, who was pushing this. And I think it's legit criminal conspiracy, guys. I don't think it's, I don't think it's DOJ just trying to get at Trump through all of this or trying to get at Trump people or get at MAGA people. I think they're actually looking for people who conspired to conduct a coup on President Trump and to obstruct January 6th. I think there's more than one coup and there's more than one plot from January 6th that we saw play out. I think there's this one that would have tried to get Trump and Pence to substitute these fake electors. And by fake, what I mean is that they didn't go through the right process to be certified as electors for that those their respective states it doesn't mean that everybody who signed on to them is bad or criminal but they weren't legitimate slates of electors that went through the appropriate process so i think that they the idea of this internal geo i think this is an internal gop plot to get pence and trump to do something criminal like this on january 6th in order to make sure that he and pence did get impeached for it in other words they were trying to set them up to do something criminal in order to
1: get him impeached so he could never run again I think that plot is GOP
0: rhinos, deep staters. I think that's what they were trying to do. And it may or may not be related to the other plots that went on that day, such as trying to get Trump to call in the national guard by put, having a lot of violence and trying the oathkeepers keepers and proud boys trying to get at least 50 people in every federal bu- building to occupy those buildings and prevent the certification from happening. Um, I think that's what this is about. I'm not worried at all about it. And one of the reasons I'm not worried about it is because Rudy and, uh, Victoria Tunsing were among those who's who were raided. And we know that they've, that Rudy's an asset and, and so totally not worried about him. Um, Mike Lindell, I've seen the video clips of him talking about it, especially the day it was announced, man, Mike Lindell is not nearly as good of an actor as James O'Keefe or Rudy. Um, I, mean, I mean, Mike Lindell is coming off like he's he's coming, he's really coming off like he's reading lines and he's trying to remember lines that he wrote. Um
1: yeah. And <laughs> I think that's what we're looking at, guys.
0: I I've I've said since the very beginning of the January 6th probe. Since it very first started, not the committee, the January 6th DOJ's criminal probe. I've said since the very beginning of it that I was never worried about it because the more they investigate it, the more they're going to uncover deep state actors and they're going to uncover the real coup, the real criminal plot that we saw play out that day. And it wasn't anything to do with Trump. It was everything to do with people who were
1: against Trump, both those who were overtly against Trump and those who were covertly against Trump. The the Swamp does not want,
0: and y'all know this, the Swamp does not want Trump. They didn't want him to succeed in his January sixth challenge. That he didn't they didn't want MAGA Republicans in uh, the house and senate to succeed in challenging those electors so they plotted to have the count interrupted and they didn't want they tried to set trump up to get him to call the military in so they could say he was conducting a military coup they tried to set pence up with these fake electors they tried all of these things and, th- and then they afterward when none of that worked they tried to accuse trump of inciting the violence when there's no when of course he didn't um they tried to get. Then they tried to get Pence to use the Twenty Fifth Amendment.
1: They tried to get Mark Milley to step in. And uh, I don't know. Do I don't I don't
0: know what they wanted him to do exactly. Get the military to stop Trump somehow. Uh, they were absolutely desperate because all of these other plots failed, and now DOJ is coming back around and they're investigating all this. And I am I think part of the reason for January 6th committee
1: existing is to mess up DOJ's criminal probe into January 6th. If it was, I mean, if DOJ was actually right
0: now after Trump and after Rudy and after Scavino, then wouldn't they be working with the January 6th committee? Right? Wouldn't January 6th committee and DOJ be on the same page about January 6th and working together to do as much damage as possible to Trump and to his associates? Instead, we see January 6th committee and DOJ not on the same page at all, not working
1: together. And DOJ seems to me,
0: well... Y'all know know how I feel. There's so many more good guys than there are bad guys. Uh, And by the way, who told us about these raids? Raids. Who told us about it? It was Steve Bannon. None of the media knew about this stuff. The media didn't find out about it until Bannon told everybody. And it had happened days before, and somehow the media didn't know. If this was being done by corrupt individuals in, in within DOJ, they would have leaked that this was happening to all the media so that the media could have had cameras outside of the home of Dan Scavino or Rudy or a number of other people. They would have had hit pieces ready to go. Have you noticed how quiet the media is about this? Yeah, there's reporting on it. But have you noticed it's not a campaign? the media the media should be doing a campaign of politically targeted targeted stories against all of the individuals who got uh, search warrants and subpoenas and they
1: should all be they should be getting leaks from DOJ telling them all sorts of details that shouldn't be public not seeing it I'm not sure that this is actually going to lead to something having to do
0: with, I see my camera froze on here. I don't know why. Um, I'm not sure this is actually going to end up having something to do. Ah, my camera froze like this. Uh, I'm not sure this is actually going to end up having to do with something like directly about the the um, November election, exactly like it's going to get to the fraud. But... I am thinking that it's going to get to these coup plotters. Like I've been saying, yeah, my camera's mad, man. I guess I've been, it's been over an hour. So I should probably, oh, here we go. So that's what I'm thinking about this. A lot of people have been asking about what I think about all these raids. And that's, that's my sense of it. It's reminding me of all that other stuff I just showed you all those other links like this. i mean, To me, I see a storyline there. I see a storyline building up. So let me know what you think in the comments, I'd appreciate it. And, uh, if you want to hit me with any links that you think add to this thinking, this hypothesis I'm working on, feel free to leave them in the comments. I'm going to, uh, upload this now. And uh yeah, y'all have a great night. I remember I will be on the EQ chamber with Diddy and Johnny and Cag Drogo and Patriot AU tomorrow night. Should be should be awesome. And uh then on Friday morning I'll be back live for uh, another episode. Hopefully, we have a special master decision by then. So I don't know why my camera's frozen, but it froze on me looking at y'all all super serious. So <laughs> y'all be, y'all be blessed. Have a good one. I mean, we're not gonna win every battle, but we are gonna win this war. See ya.